Welcome back, folks. Bailey is back in action. This is the first episode of 2019 of Real Talk Podcast with myself, Bailey Arredondo. It's been a few weeks off the books just with holiday vacations, traveling back to California, a few grad school applications out the door, but I am back and on the mic, excited to be here. I finally got this Real Talk Podcast out on iTunes, which was a huge step for me just starting out. I wasn't really too sure where I wanted to go with this podcast, wanted to start on SoundCloud, get a few episodes out there, hear some feedback, and so far so good. So I decided to keep it rolling, get it on a new platform in this new year, and bring you guys and the public some more real talk. And if you're viewing this on iTunes, which is pretty cool, you can hit a subscribe button to get notifications for every time I post. I'm, I'm hoping to be better this year and hoping to stick to that two to three podcasts per week. Um, but yeah, you can hit the subscribe button so you can see when I post new content. And also there's a little review section where you can write and leave a review. These are just helpful for me just to know what I'm improving on. Like I said, this is kind of like my first big kind of shot at a podcast. And I know I'm not the best, but just want to keep improving and love feedback, good or bad. I'm, I'm willing to improve and wanting to improve and want to hear what your guys' thoughts and concerns and critique is. So keep that option open just in case you hear a topic that you specifically like or hear a topic that is maybe a little too far-fetched or a little too out there. Like I said, I want to hear your guys' thoughts. You guys are the public. You guys are my viewers. So I want to give you guys what you guys want to hear. But as you know, it's got to be all real talk. So let's kick things off. Let's talk a little Australian Open. So for all you tennis gurus out there, tennis fans. I am one of the biggest tennis fanatics you'll find. I just, I love what the game has to offer. It's a sport where it tests you physically, but also mentally. And I, and I like that, you know, in other sports like football and basketball, the bigger, better athletes usually stand out, usually prevail. They win championships. They're more dominant in scoring. They're more dominant in putting points on the board. Shaq was nearly unguardable down low in the paint because he was just bigger and more versatile than anyone down there. And for those who keep up with college hoops and the freshman phenom Zion Williamson, I mean, he's a freshman in college and he's 6'7 and 284 pounds. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm not sure if there's anyone in college basketball that could disrupt him getting to where he wants to on the floor. I mean, he's that quick, that versatile, and is that much of a bigger and better athlete than them. It's just the truth. But in tennis, there's finesse, there's stroke, there's this kind of rhythm on the court. And we're talking about singles here. You're talking about yourself versus one other guy and a net in between you. There's no teammates. There's no talking to your coach about halftime plays, drawing up plays out of timeouts. It's just you and your opponent. But don't get me wrong, you need to be in great athletic shape to win a Grand Slam title. I mean, you, have, you might have to go five sets. You might have to play a five-hour match. But what I want you guys to understand about tennis is that once you kind of figure it out, once you kind of understand who you are on the court and what works and what doesn't, and you can do that for, like I said, sometimes five sets, sometimes five hours, you could be dominant. You could take over. Since 2004, 2004, three years before the first iPhone was ever released, there have been 61 Grand Slam title winners. Australian Open, French Open, Wimbledon, US Open. There's been 61 winners. 
51 of them, 51 of those 61 winners has either been Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, or Novak Djokovic. 51 of 61. Let that sink in. 51 of 61. Now, before we talk about this year's Australian Open and kind of break it down on what happened, let me tell you what I, why I think Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic have won 51 of 61 past Grand Slam titles since 2004. First things first, Federer's the GOAT. He's the GOAT, he's the GOAT, he's the GOAT. I've never seen a more poised champion, sorry, poised, accomplished champion than Roger Federer in any sport. He could lose 6-0-6-0-6-0. He could win 6-0-6-0-6-0. Same answer, same mindset, same aura, same swag, same walk. I mean, the guy just doesn't phase. He is not phased by anything. Best one-handed backhand of all time. Rips his forehand. His serve went on point. Can't even be touched. And like I said, he'll be down 5-2 and just be like, okay, let's turn it up a little bit. Let's turn up the notch. Let's make my opponent miss and not let me miss. And he'll come back and win in straight sets. Nadal is just the king of clay. The king with his lefty craft and his finesse kind of style of playing, Clay is just, it was just made for Rafael Nadal. It was, it was, it was just made for him. Lefties are a different beast in tennis and so strategic and, and Nadal can put so much spin on the ball and really can put it anywhere he wants on the court with that lefty touch and is unstoppable on Clay, like I said. And then there's Novak Djokovic, who when he first came on tour, I wasn't really big of a fan. I just thought he was really immature. Did a few kind of corny, funny videos where he was trying to imitate player serves and try to make fun at a few players. And I just thought he was immature at the time. But as time showed, he has matured and grown up and has become a menace on the court. I mean, this guy is like a Clay Thompson. This guy's like a Floyd Mayweather. He's like a Saquon Barkley. Those guys just, they never look tired. They never look fatigued. They can play all day. And the thing about Jokovic, which I think makes him this deadly on the tennis court, is that there's nothing really he's bad at. He has solid ground strokes. He puts good pace on the ball when he serves. And his return game is arguably the best in the game. I mean, he almost gets everything. And the thing about Jokovic is that that's what he needs. If he can get in the point, if he can get the return back and in play and get in the middle of the court and get a few rhythms going, it's over. I mean, you get 10, 15 balls in the rally, I'm picking Jokovic to win that point 90% of the time. So to circle back to it, like I said, 51 of 61 of the past Grand Slam title winners have either been one of those three guys. I mean, those guys have figured out their niches and have dominated. And, you know, I mean, there was 10 other Grand Slams that were won by guys who just had killer tournaments, guys who were just in kind of this zone that just couldn't be stopped, and it happens. But let's talk about this year's Australian Open that ended yesterday. Novak Djokovic beat Rafael Nadal in straight sets to win his 15th Grand Slam title. And to be real, it wasn't really a shocker to me. This was Djokovic's Grand Slam to lose. He was ranked the top seed. He lost two sets the whole tournament. He's in good shape. He's healthy. He's striking the ball well. 
And with his game, if he gets in the point, if the point gets to 10, 15 ball rallies, he's just going to take over and be consistent. He's not going to make a miss. He's going to let all the unforced errors come from his opponent and make his opponent miss and stay in the point. And to really just beat them kind of mentally, just stick with the rally, stick with the rhythm, and just beat in their mind that you can't beat me in the point. You're going to have to hit a winner to get past me. So hats off to Jokovic. But good news for Nadal. I mean, making it to the finals on hardcore next tournament is the French, is that clay love. So I think it was a good tournament for Nadal just to kind of feel out the competition for this year see what shots are working for him, how he likes to play the game. And if he stays healthy, I'd be scared to play him in the French, let me tell you, because that's his surface. And he'll remind you why he's the king of clay in the French. But I just want to highlight a few other players that I think stood out to me in the Australian Open. This kid from Greece, Tissipas, I mean, he's he's for real. I mean, he's 20 years old, obviously taking out Federer, making it into the semifinals. He's got some youth. He's got some spunk. I think he's at a, in a mindset where he's going for his shots. And as you can see in tennis, with such young talent coming out and with the level of play being this elevated, any of these young kids have their best day. They could beat anybody. I mean, it's just the truth. He was just going for his shots, ripping it against Federer. And, you know, I don't know if it's yet early enough to say it's father time for Federer, but he just got outplayed and the better player won. So hats off to Tsitsipas making that run to the semifinals. We'll probably see him relevant here in years to come in Grand Slam tournaments. I also thought that Nishikori had a good start to the year in this tournament, making it to the quarterfinals, unfortunately retiring in the second set to Jokovic. But it was good to see him back on the court. I mean, he's a guy that, if not many of you know, check him out. I mean, he's just got that perfect textbook swing, both on the forehand and backhand side. Rarely misses, but per injury, just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But when he can when he can stay healthy and he can stay in a match and, and be confident with his shots, I mean, this guy can take out anybody. So I think he's got the best two-handed backhand in the game. So Hopefully, we'll be able to see Nishikori make some noise in the tournaments this year to come. But looking forward to the French Open, like I said earlier, Nadal, he's a king of clay, has won seven of the last nine French Open titles. It's going to be his tournament to lose. I mean, I think he's in the best shape right now per his age that he's been in. Uh, he's really has a good presence on the court right now. I think he's confident. And I think him at least making it to the finals of the Australian gave him that confidence to say, hey, I'm just going to go out there and play my game, and chances are on clay, I'm going to come out on top. So nonetheless, I think it's going to be a great year of tennis this year. Not too sure if we're going to see similar title contenders or similar past Grand Slam winners keeping these finals just because with the amount of youthfulness and the amount of talent that we've seen across the board. But I would recommend to keep watch on the first few rounds just because I think there's going to be some exciting matchups with guys being maybe unseated. We saw past Grand Slam winners like Stan Wawrinka. We saw Songa be unseated and kind of floaters in the Australian Open. So keep an eye out because I think there's always going to be a good matchup wherever you look on the draw. So like I said, keep an eye out. But I'm excited for this year of tennis and can't wait to see what's in store. Now, before we wrap up today's episode, I want to segue into this. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time 
that you were in a situation where you truly felt that you had nothing to lose. Nothing. I'm talking about those situations where you have that one relative maybe driving through town and they call you up and say, Hey, Bailey, you want to you wanna come down and maybe get some dinner with me tonight? I'm driving through. Love to see you. It's been so long. And you're thinking on the other end of the phone. I mean, this is my relative, right? I mean, how it's been what? How many years? And it's, uh, yeah, sure, I'll go there. And you're thinking, okay. It's free dinner, free eats, good company. I mean, what's there to lose, right? Or maybe another situation where your buddies are trying to go golfing and invite you to golf and you haven't even picked up a golf club in four or five years and you're thinking, whew, I am not going to go out there and embarrass myself. But I mean, hey, what's, what's there to lose? I mean, I'm going to go out there. Everyone kind of stinks a little bit at golf, right? Everyone, even Tiger hits it in the water from time to time. So you're thinking, oh, you know what, I'll just, I'll just go and... You know, I'll spend time with those friends that I haven't seen in a while, maybe hit a few good shots. At least I'm outside doing something active. You know, like I said, what's there to lose? So with that being said, this brings me to this. I think there is a power, a serious power to having nothing to lose, especially in sports. Now, it might not always translate into winning, but what I mean by a power in having nothing to lose is a mindset. It's having that mindset that you're just going out there with nothing to lose. And this thought really didn't hit me until I was fully covering the TCU women's basketball team this year. And I don't know, it's just, it's something about the way that they carry themselves as a team. Now, I'm not saying their team motto is what's there to lose. It's not. Trust me, I mean, these girls want to win. They are driven to win. I mean, they want to be the best women's college basketball team in the country, as they should. But through me covering them and seeing them on and off the court, talking to coaches, talking to players, talking to people just that work around the team, that they might not say it, but to me it's kind of evident that they feel they could beat any team on any given night. They're that confident in what they do and their players. They don't care if another team has twin towers guarding the post. They don't care if another team has a player coming in averaging 30 and 10 a game. They feel like they can beat anybody on any given night. But my takeaway from watching them and covering them is win or lose, they're going to keep that same mentality. If they lose a game, it's not going to keep them up at night. It's not going to phase them. It's not going to phase the TC women's basketball team. They want to learn from their mistakes, perfect what they do well, and play aggressive. They want to come out every night with that attitude that they can win. And I think that's important for being a college basketball player, but also being a person. Because you can translate this mindset really into anything. The TCU women's basketball team doesn't get discouraged. You shouldn't get discouraged. You buy a ton of groceries. You think you're going to cook this awesome meal. You've been looking up this recipe for weeks. And it turns out it's barely even edible. So what? You throw it away. You learn from your mistakes. You find out what you did wrong. Or hey, maybe you're just, you know what? I'm not that good of a cook. I'll stick to eating out. You learn. You adapt. You evolve. 
or even in a, a business meeting and like an entrepreneurial type business meeting where you pitch an idea and you've been working on this speech for weeks on weeks and just love what you're about to just say to everyone in the room and after your speech is over there's crickets there's no interest there's wait did he actually really just say that so what you live and you learn it might have been a better idea in your head you just keep moving forward. You learn from your mistakes, like I said. And that's something that the TCU women's basketball team has really kind of showed me as an observer. Now, I want to reiterate myself that this TCU women's basketball team, they're not okay with losing. They're not okay with getting blown out by 40. But they understand it happens. They understand it's a game where anything can happen. But they are focused on themselves. And they believe that if Every player on that roster believes in that feeling of we can win on any given night, then the sky's the limit for them. Now, of course, when it gets into postseason play and the Big 12 tournament and single elimination, games are going to matter because it can end your season. And for seniors, that could be your last time ever stepping foot on a basketball court as a player. You just, you don't know. And to be honest, that's a whole nother topic, a whole nother conversation because those type of games, I believe, true star players perform. Big-time players play big in big-time moments. But I just want you as a listener just to think about, think about this for a second, that if you just had this essence of, I got nothing to lose. We go out, we play Baylor, we got nothing to lose. If we lose, we lost. We get in the gym tomorrow, we come to practice this week, and we work hard. We make sure that what happened that night that we lost won't happen again. Now it's sports, so evidently it will. But that mindset can just translate into just personal growth and could lead to just a free style of play. Just go out on the basketball court and ball. Just do what you gotta do, just ball. So like I said, it's not laziness, it's not being okay with losing, it's being mature enough to understand that losing happens, but with losing comes growth, comes opportunities to improve yourself, to be better on and off the court. So that's it for today's episode. I just wanted to highlight a few things that have happened in the past few weeks with the Australian Open, with me covering TCA Women's Basketball. And just kind of kick off the new year right with Real Talk being on iTunes. To kind of emphasize what I was talking about earlier, I'm nonetheless excited to be back on the mic. I want to bring you guys at least two to three podcasts a week. Would love to hear your feedback because I'm trying to improve myself as a podcaster and trying to improve myself with being more free-spirited with what I say on the mic, being more comfortable and with all that kind of comes with more time and more repetition and experience. So it's a journey, baby, but you all know it. This is Real Talk.